cities of Judah and the chiefs of the fathers of Israel and came to Jerusalem. And all the congregation made a covenant in the house of God with the king. And he said to them, Behold, the king's son shall reign as the Lord has spoken of the sons of David. This is what you shall do. The third of you going in on the Sabbath of the priests and of the Levites shall be keepers of the doors. And a third of you shall be at the king's house. And a third at the gate of the foundation. And all the people shall be in the courts of the house of the Lord. And no one shall enter the house of the Lord except the priests and those ministering to the Levites. They may go in, for they are holy. And all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. And the Levites shall surround the king, each with his weapon in his hand. And he who goes into the house shall be caused to die. And you you be with the king in his coming in, and in, in his coming in and in his going out. And the Levites and all Judah did according to the things that Jehoiada the priest had commanded. And every man took his took his men who were to come in <coughs> on the Sabbath, the ones who were to go out on the Sabbath. For Jehoiada the priest did not dismiss the division. And Jehoiada the priest gave to the commanders of the hundred the spears and the shields, and the bucklers that were King David that were in the house of God. He stationed all the people, and each had his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the house to the left side of the house, at the altar and by the king of the house all around. And they brought out the son of the king, and put the crown on him in his testimony, and made him king. And Jehoiada and his sons anointed him, and cried, Let the king live. Yes, I'm on. Are you proud of me? All right. And uh, so... Uh, how old did we say uh, Joash was when Jehoshabeth uh, rescued and uh, hit him? He was one year old. Now, does this remind you of anything? A royal son spared from, a, from death by a king's daughter. Moses. Moses. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do they hide him? Six years. So he's seven years old now, and they decide to uh, stage a, a coup, you know, a uh, overthrow of Athaliah's government, uh, spearheaded by Jehoiada, the priest, who talks to the leaders, the Levites, uh, and the various temple workers and so forth, and they arrange to uh, basically proclaim Joash king, they're going to do it in such a way that it happens during a shift change in the temple workers, where they've got a ton of temple workers there on the Sabbath day. They're armed, and they're stationed there. Some of them are guarding the young king, Joash, and some of them are keeping anybody from going into the temple. And they, in verse 11, they bring out Joash, and they do four things to make him king. What are the four things? They crowned him. They gave him the testimony, which we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah. They anointed him, which you do to a king, and they proclaimed, long live the king. So he was made king by a crown, the testimony, 
the anointing and the acclamation of him being king. The testimony may refer to the passage back in Deuteronomy chapter 17, where it talks about future kings, and it says in verse 18, Now it shall come about when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law and a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests, and he'll have this copy of the scroll. Maybe they gave a copy of the law to uh, Joash, which seems to be a part of becoming king, and he is actually now being proclaimed as king. Told all of this uh, was, uh, Athaliah hadn't been aware of it. She didn't know about anything that was going on. And suddenly, they're all with loud voices saying, long live the king. And so this is going to be quite a shock to her system, who was uh, uh, wanting everyone to think, long live the queen. All right, comments or questions through verse 11. Deuteronomy 17, verses 18 and 19. You said they crown the testimony and the anointing. And the acclamation, the shout, long live the king. <coughs> Other comments? <coughs> 12 to 15. When Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came into the house of the Lord of the She looked, and behold, the king was standing by his pillar at the entrance, and the captains and the trumpeters were beside the king, and all the people of the land rejoiced and blew trumpets, singers with their musical instruments, leading to the praise. And then Athaliah tore her clothes and said, Treason, treason. Jehoiada, the priest, brought out the captains of hundreds who were appointed over the army and said to them, Bring her out between the between the ranks, and whoever falls has put her to death with the sword. So the priest said, Let her not be put to death in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and when she arrived at the entrance of the horse, of the king's house, they put her to death there. Okay, <coughs> Athaliah hears the noise. She comes running out. And what does she yell? That's a rather interesting thing for someone like Athaliah to yell. Um... After all, what's the basis of her claim to the throne? Yeah. She has the power. You know, she had no legitimate claim to the throne. So by her standards, treason doesn't exist. If you've got enough power, you can make yourself king or queen or whatever. But now she's complaining because of treason. <laughs> you know, it's treason to her if anybody other than her is ruling. He is actually the lone surviving legitimate heir to the throne. That's what I was going to ask. Who is, who, who is seven years old that we could relate him to? Corey. Yeah. Joseph just turned eight, so think of Joseph a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah, to get upstaged by a little boy. She was horrified. You would think not. She didn't know he existed. So she may well not even have a clue who this little kid is. Because what did Jehoiada say? Yeah. But where, what was he very careful about? Yes. Why did he not want it done in the house of the Lord? Yeah. 
Exactly. He was concerned with the sanctity of the temple. It's ironic that this same Jehoiada, who was so concerned about keeping, you know, blood from being shed in the temple, was unable to uh, keep his son from suffering the same fate in the temple some years later. And uh, we'll read about that, and that'll be rather ironic. But, uh, but Jehoiada has a really good attitude. He, he wants the right thing to be done, and uh, he, he knows she needs to be killed, but not in the temple. He's not going to defile the house of God. Comments and questions? Well, I don't know that she could have gotten that close. <laughs> and, I mean, ultimately, grabbing onto the altar is not an absolute security for somebody who is wicked. I mean, what did they do? Who grabbed onto the altar and they took him away from there or said, we'll just go ahead and kill him there? Wasn't that Joab? Which one was it? Adonijah. No, it was Joab. Adonijah grabbed onto it. I don't think they killed him. Both gr- grabbed onto it. I believe it was... Uh, no, it is Adonijah, isn't it? Or not? No, it's not. Wait a minute. I think you're, it is Joab. Let's see. I'm just trying to find where it is where it actually says it. Yeah, okay. Uh, Second Kings, uh, 1 Kings 2.28. Now the news came to Joab, for Joab had followed Adonijah, although he had not followed Absalom. And Joab fled to the tent of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. It was told King Solomon that Joab had fled to the tent of the Lord, and behold, he is beside the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go fall upon him. So Benaiah came to the tent of the Lord and said to him, Thus the king has said, Come out. But he said, No, for I will die here. Benaiah brought the king word again, saying, Thus spoke Joab, and thus he answered me. The king said to him, Do as he has spoken, and fall upon him, and bury him, that you may remove from me and from my father's house the blood that Joab shed without cause. And uh, so... Uh, Benaiah, in verse 34, Benaiah went uh, up and fell upon him. And so he was killed, hanging on to the horns of the altar. Question. Yes? What's that the, the, evidently, the altar had lo- sort of like uh, projections. I don't know what you want to call it. Like corn. corn. Yeah, that's kind of like posts sticking up. I don't That's not a good term. Well, the altar itself would have been a place of sacrifice, therefore a place of mercy. So I think the idea of hanging on to the altar, you're, you're appealing for mercy. I assume so. Wasn't that if you accidentally killed somebody, you could go grab all the horns of the altar? If you couldn't get their city's refuge in time, you could go to the temple. And they couldn't kill you. If you grab all the horns of the altar. How do we know that? Really? Okay. Now, you, you may well be right, though. I'm not good on the law, so... A man acts presumptuously toward his neighbor so as to kill him craftily. You're taking even from my altar that he may die, so that's like torn him away. Huh, that's helpful. Huh. Yeah, the city's refuge. That's interesting. In uh, 2114, I had not noticed that. So that 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 would be an indication that they they even then recognized that the altar was a place they could go to for mercy. But 
is not mercy for the true criminal. Yes. Yeah. So the altar was not an absolute protection, just as the cities of refuge were not an absolute protection. If you're guilty, and it can be proven, you can be hanging on to the altar, you can be in a city of refuge, or you can do whatever you want to, you can still be executed, lawfully. By marriage. No. Mm, yes. Yes. No. Okay. Other questions and comments? So we thankfully are rid of Athaliah and we are rid of Ahab's family in Judah. That's nice. 16 to 21. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and all the people and the king, and they should be, that they should be the Lord's people. And all the people went to the house of Baal and tore it down, and they broke in pieces the altar and his images. And killed Matthew, the priest of Baal, before the altar. Moreover, Jehoiada placed the offices of the house of the Lord under the authority of the Levitical priest, whom David had assigned over the house of the Lord, to offer the burnt offerings of the Lord, as it is written in the law of Moses, with rejoicing and singing according to the order of David. And he stationed the gatekeepers in the house in the house of the Lord, and he stationed the gatekeepers of the house of the Lord, so that no one should enter who was in, in any way unclean. And took the captains of hundreds, the nobles, the rulers of the people, and the people of the land, and brought the king down from the house of the Lord, and came to the upper gate to the king's house. And they placed the king upon the royal throne, so that all, so all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet. So they had put Athaliah to death with the sword. Okay, so Jehoiada makes a covenant with the people that they'll be the Lord's people. Now, if they're going to be the Lord's people, what are they going to have to do? What? Why? Yes. The connection between God and his people is exclusive. And so if you're going to really be in covenant relation with God, you can't be worshiping any other gods. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if, if Sandra is going to be my wife, she can't be fooling around with any other man. You know, she's my wife, and she's my wife only. You know, that's, that's the way God is with his people. And so if they've got an alliance, if they've got a marriage covenant with God, then they have to tear down all the apparatus of worshiping other gods, which they do. And then in verse 18, what do they do? Exactly, and the things that were in the law of Moses even. They are offering the sacrifices. It's both positive and negative. They get rid of the false worship and they institute the true worship. Uh, it's not surprising, Chronicles is very worship-oriented. We think a lot about worship, a lot about the temple, a lot about the priests and the Levites. And, uh, and they put uh, Josiah in as king. 
So uh, Joasiah, Joash and his king. So now Joash is reigning. Uh, although I suspect at seven years old, he is not making a whole lot of decisions on his own. Who would you suppose is his biggest influence? Jehoiada. Of course. And so Jehoiada is more or less the one who's influencing the direction of the nation, even though the one with the crown on his head is Joash. Yeah, close. He would be basically like his father, too, more or less. He's raised him all his life. Absolutely, since he was one years old. That's exactly right. <laughs> good guy to have in all those roles. Jehoiada, as far as we can tell, was a good guy. Other comments? Yeah, tell. God's always got the right people in the right places at the right time. Other thoughts? Okay, chapter 24, uh, verses 1 to 3. Okay, so um, Joash uh, is seven and reigns for 40 years in Jerusalem. Um, his mother was from where? Beersheba. Where is Beersheba? Way south. And uh, where had his grandmother, great-grandmother been from? Jezreel, his great-grandmother, way north, up in Sidon. We kind of counterbalance that. And uh, how does Joash do as king? Yes. Good spiritual help, guidance, counsel, leadership is very important. You need close friends. You need good mentors that are spiritual. That makes a difference. You get Jehoiada as his close advisor, as his friend, as his father, and he does well. We've just seen the influence of evil people. This is the influence of a good man. It does make a difference who we allow to influence us and who we're close to. But Joash is going to follow a pattern that we're going to see uh, commonly in this uh, section of Kings. Starting well, ending badly. Jehoiada also does something else for Joash in verse 3. Can you think of a reason why Jehoiada might have thought it convenient to have two wives for Joash? Why would that be serious? We're trying to beef up the family of David again. <laughs> You know, we're, we're hanging by a thread. I don't know if that was the reason, but it makes me wonder. Um, so, comments and questions. All right, we've got a project here, 4 to 14. 
minded to be sure the house is Jehovah. And Gehazi goes with priests and Levites and said to them, Go out unto the cities of Judah and gather up all together all of Israel minded to repair the house of your God from year to year, and see that that you hasten to the matter. Howbeit the Levites hasten it not. And the king called for Jehovah the chief and said unto him, Why hast thou not required of the Levites to bring in bring and out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the text of Moses, the servant of Jehovah, and of the assembly of Israel, or the tent of testimony? When the sons of Athaliah, that, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God, and also all the dedicated things in the house of Jehovah, they bestowed upon Therein. So the king commanded, and they made a test, and set it without at the gate of the house of Jehovah. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring in for Jehovah the tax that Moses the servant of God laid upon Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes of the, and all the people rejoiced and brought in the tax into the test, and so they made an end. And it was so that at what time the chest was brought into the king's officers by the hand of the Levites. <coughs> and when they saw that there was much money, the king's crowd and the chief priest officers came into the chest and took it again and carried it to his place. Thus they did day by day and gathered, and gathered money in, in abundance. And the king and Jehoiada gave it to such as did the work of the service of the house of Jehovah. They hired masons, carpenters, to restore the house of Jehovah. And also such as wrought iron and brass repaired the house of Jehovah. So the workmen wrought and the work repairing went forth in their hands, and they set up the house of God in state and strengthened it. And when they made an end, they brought the rest of the money before the king of King Jehovah, whereof the, where were made vessels of for the house of Jehovah, even vessels wherewith to minister and to offer and food and vessels of gold and silver, and they offered burnt offerings. So what does Joash decide to do? Fix the temple. A big temple renovation. Why? And not only that. Athaliah's sons had... Broken into the temple and <laughs> then that a disgrace. Sure. So I mean, the temple's in a in bad need of some some help. It's uh, uh, probably not only been robbed and, and and plundered, but but perhaps has suffered some structural damage. And so the question now is, how is this going to be funded? And Joash gathers the priests and Levites together and says, "Go get money to repair the house." of the God, but they didn't act quickly, and Joash is uh, not happy with that, and so he actually makes a chest and has them put the temple task, tax commanded by Moses uh, in that chest, and then he's able to take the money and give it to the workmen, and they repair the house of God, and they also uh, take some of the money and they replace the utensils and things that have been robbed by Athaliah's sons for the uh, temple of Baal. And so, uh, Joash is responsible for a big temple renovation. You can imagine that this would be an important theme in a book like Chronicles. We're very concerned about what's going on with the temple, and so we give a lot of press to 
Joash's temp temple restoration. Um, it's a very important point since the temple is God's house and it's the center of their worship. Comments and questions? Jehoiada is the priest, but still I think you do have a great deal of influence of Jehoiada on Joash until until Jehoiada dies. I agree with you. Absolutely. Sometimes it's not so much the people not being willing to give, it's the leaders not being willing to challenge them. This is uh, just reminded me of this. It may be a little beside the point, but I remember I may have I probably some of you may have heard the story. But several years ago, I uh, was talking with Bill Hall, and he was telling about a brother who was going to be preaching in Toronto, Canada, and Bill was uh, a part of a church in Birmingham. It was a large church, and they gave a lot of money to preachers and evangelists in various places, but they were maxed out, and so this preacher was needing some support and Bill told him that he knew the brethren would love to hear about his plans but he didn't think they could give him any support because they didn't have any money and so this man that was going to start preaching in Toronto came to that church I think like on a Wednesday night and gave a report about the work and what he was going to be doing and so forth and the next Sunday the elders got the men together and said, look, we would love to help this man, but, but there's just not any money for us to do that, and so we're not going to be able to. And said that the men started talking in that meeting among themselves and said, no, we want to help him. And they, various ones, said that they could give this or that or whatever, and they in that meeting decided to start giving this man $2,400 a month. <laughs> you know, because it was the people in the group that said, we want to do this, we'll give the money to do it. There are a lot of times when Christians are willing to give, leaders aren't willing to, to even allow them to or encourage them to. So I think it is a good attitude. You see several times in Chronicles that the people were more than willing to support the efforts to uh, rebuild the house of God. Good point. That's a good question. I don't remember the passage where that is found. It is the tax that Jesus refers to, if I'm not mistaken, in Matthew chapter 17. And there's probably a reference there. I have then a reference back to Exodus 30:13. I wonder if that's uh, where that is. There's also why they had to change the money in the temple. Exodus 30, 13, uh, This is what everyone who is numbered shall give half a shekel, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Uh, half a shekel is a contribution to the Lord. Everyone who is numbered from 20 years old and over shall give the contribution to the Lord. Uh, that's what it was. And it had to be paid in the shekel of the sanctuary. So there needed to be money changers to change the money so they could pay the half shekel tax. 
and it was a tax on every person regardless of income. All right, other comments and questions? Okay, um, 15 to 22... So Jehoiada dies, how old was he? 130 years old, how old is that? Are there many folks who died older than that in the Bible? Outside of the book of Genesis, from the people we know how old they were when they died. No, Moses was 120. Sarah in Genesis. I don't know. Sarah's the one I remember. She was 127, but she's in Genesis. Who's the only one outside of Genesis that's recorded to have lived longer than 130 years? No, he would have been 123 or so. He was 110, I believe. No? Job. Who may well have been in Genesis' time period. Well, he's outside of the book of Genesis. I believe the only ones outside of Genesis to have lived longer than 100 years that's recorded, Aaron, Moses, Joshua, Job, and Jehoiada. But maybe Jehoiada, if we count Job in Genesis time period, may be the longest. That may be significant. I mean, I think it's perhaps a tribute to the quality of his life. That's old. <laughs> you know, 130 years old when he died. Um... And where did they bury him? Where? Among the kings. This is the only example in Chronicles of someone who wasn't a king being buried among the kings. It's almost like they count Jehoiada as a king. It's interesting. I had not thought about the connection with Melchizedek, but Jehoiada is almost a priest king. That is true. And, and treated now as a king. He was almost acting king 
And even after Joash got older, as we pointed out, he still had a great deal of influence on the kingship. But what happens to Joash after Jehoiada dies? And what kind of influence do they have on him? Ah, He turns away from the Lord. He turns to the idols. Isn't that a, a shame? And doesn't that tell you something? How much influence who we listen to has on us. As long as Jehoiada lives, he was good. Jehoiada dies and he listens to the corrupt officials and he turns bad. And what does God do to wake him up? Even before that. He sends prophets and how much attention does Joash pay to these prophets? The two halves of Joash's life are based on who he was listening to. First half, he listened to Jehoiada. Second half, he doesn't listen to the prophets. He listens to these wicked counselors. And so then God sends Zechariah to Joash to rebuke him. Now, who was Zechariah? Jehoiada's son. So... In effect, who was Zechariah to Joash? Like a brother. I mean, he was raised like a brother. I don't know how much older or younger he was or whatever, but he was raised like a brother to him. He's the son of the guy who's basically counseled him. And, and here's what Zechariah says in verse 20. Thus God has said, why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord and do not prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has also forsaken you. You would think that this word from the Lord, from Jehoiada's son, would wake Joash up. On the contrary, by the command of Joash, what happens? They kill Zechariah. Look back at 22.17. They do to Zechariah what had earlier been done to Matin, the priest of Baal. So they give Zechariah the treatment they'd given to the priest of Baal. Um, and where do they kill him at? In the temple, the very place that Joash had been protected in when he became king and that, that, that Jehoiada was careful not to kill uh, Athaliah in. Notice verse 22, Joash the king did not remember the kindness which his father Jehoiada had shown him, but he murdered his son. Do you know what the word Zechariah means? It means the Lord remembers. <laughs> well, Joash didn't remember uh, the Zechariah, who, who means the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers what man often forgets. And uh, so, that's just really sad. Look at Ele Luke 11.51. Luke 11:51, Jesus in verse 50 says, So that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who was killed between the altar and the house of God. Now that's, I think, this Zechariah. Abel, you remember Abel, who killed him. And where was that in the Bible? Genesis 4. Fourth chapter of the Bible. 
death is recorded in Chronicles 24. Hebrew Bible, the last book in the Bible, was Chronicles. Now, they had all the same books we do. They just organized them differently. So saying from Abel to Zechariah, Abel is the first martyr in the Bible, fourth chapter, and Zechariah is the last martyr in their arrangement of the Bible, like the 13th to the last chapter. And so he's saying from the one end of the Bible to the other, one end of the martyrs to the other. So that's kind of interesting. All right, comments and questions. Twenty-three through twenty-seven. Now it came about, about now it came about at the turn of the year that the army of the Arameans came up against 